Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and you're listening to LGBTQ and A from The Advocate magazine. Today, I'm talking to Karina Samala. Karina is a fixture in the trans community in Los Angeles, and she's an amazing example of the effect that a person can have working to change the lives of people at a local level. One example is her work with the police and sheriff's departments. She worked with them to create policies on how to best support trans people, to really make sure that the police are taking violence against trans people seriously. Now, we do discuss violence and suicide. Just a heads up there, we don't get in any specific details, but I did want to let you know in case that's something you don't want to hear. All right, let's get to it. You'll hear Karina begin by talking about how she discovered pageants and balls while working as a defense contractor, and then how that led directly to her activism. Here it is. I, I love bowling. I got involved with the community going to the bars. It's a bar has a sponsor of a, a gay team that they have. And they compete against his other, the bars, representing the bars, have a gay bowling league team. And they compete against each other. That's where I met Honey Carolina. He was a past empress of the Imperial Court of Los Angeles and Hollywood. It's a nonprofit organization. And one of the fundraising events that they do is the Closet Ball. A closet ball is a contest pageant, a, non- a fundraising pageant, and, and the prize money is a round trip ticket to Hawaii. So I entered. The closet ball is um, if we, when you're a, a male, you dress up as a male, you go at, on stage as a male, they interview you and walk around as a male, they judge you as a male, you go backstage, and then they, somebody does your makeup change your clothes, you come out as a female, and they judge you as a female, okay, vice versa. So they have the closet king and queen of the ball. And I won, and I said, wow, this is a good experience being on stage and stuff like that. So I started joining other pageants, and I started winning, and I said, oh, wow. (laughs) That got me really excited. But then, because of my work with Northrop Grumman, as an engineer, I was living a double life. I cannot go out out of my house even because of the fact that because of the work that I do doing government military contracts, you know, uh, for defense, I have to have a top security clearance. And it stays on my application there that we signed, that I sent to them. One of the questions is, are you a homosexual? It was that overt? It was, yes. Are you homosexual? And I have to say no, and I have to lie. Otherwise, they won't give you my clearance because they think and felt that it's going to be used to get information out of me and blackmail me. So back then, trans was not like a widely used word? At the time, it was not even in existence yet. Transgenders were not even even wow. a word yet. It's only, that's why you said homosexual. They use homosexual. Did you, did you call yourself a homosexual? Like, no. Live well, behind closed doors? Well, at the time, that's what they use. That's us yeah. with our community. Uh, not even gay, homosexuals. That's it. Okay? And I had to lie and said no. Okay? And the thing about that is, that's the reason why when I transitioned, I was working there when I transitioned. I worked with them for 12 years. As an engineer, I was a senior process engineer when I left them, doing really good money because of the work that I do. Did, did I read that you helped on the designs for the Black Hawk helicopters? Well, 
I cannot mention some of them. Okay. <laughs> I did a work with missiles and also the the, the stealth bomber. Wow. The stealth bomber and missiles and satellites. Because Northrop Grumman is a private defense contractor. It's a private defense contractor, military defense. It's all, all they do is military defense. So you're going to work during the day wearing a suit. A suit and tie. And I then at night work you're changing. A suit and tie. I have long hair, but I put it on. And the funny part of it is I heard my secretary talking to the other secretary at lunch break, lunch time. Saying that, oh, so unprofessional with that long hair, and of course they're noticing my 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 eyebrows being plucked <laughs> and everything. <laughs> okay, so they were talking about me. So I pulled her in. I said, "Listen, I really don't appreciate you talking about me." I said in, with the other secretaries. I said to her, you, "You know, I said I was hired here for what's in here, not for what, what I look like." I said, "What I look." Is what I have up here, I said. And so I had to at least tone down. But then I decided to, to leave at the end of the year. I've been sad because uh, I have to go, you know, doing bar shows and stuff, as a beauty queen, doing shows in West Hollywood. West Hollywood at the time is the only place that I go to, or Long Beach. So I go to West Hollywood and stuff like that. I have to put my makeup on in my car take everything off when I go home because when they do background checks they check my neighbor, my landlord and everybody around they have Oh, it had to be that secretive They're very, they're very, very strict on those security clearances And you did that for a while right? Like the split life I did a double life Were you able to be happy during that? No, that's the reason why at, at the end of that I said to myself after 12 years working with them I decided to walk away. Wow. I just walk away. And there was a time that I was saying, oh, my God, what have I done with all the education, you know, the engineering school, the education that I had, you know. But I was not really happy because of the double life I'm leaving. It's not me. And from that time on, all I did was community work. Wow. And then during that time when you're going out and dressing up as a woman, were you always aware that this was more than just dress up? I was. I knew we, when I was young, because I grew up with seven sisters, seven sisters, and especially with the Asian community. With the Asian community, they really value the, 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 the male in the family because it's supposed to carry the family's name. And also, when I transitioned, I, I was, you know, it was hard, really, for my sisters. You know, I was raised by my sisters because both my parents died when, I, you know, at a young age. I was a really kind of tentative because it was hard, especially for my eldest sister, to really get used to it, although I know she meant well, okay? Because sometimes she would introduce me just already. <laughs> she, she, forgets. she would introduce me, my brother, <laughs> you know? But she didn't mean, she means well, she didn't mean that. And there was a time also when I was thinking, I said, what have I done, you know, at the end, at the beginning of my transition? What I have done, I said, I wasted all these years of education and everything that I have learned to walk away from it. And also, I felt guilty with my sisters and my family because they, I'm the only brother that they have ever had. There's a lot of pressure in that. Of, I, I felt like I took it away from them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get emotional sometimes. It's okay. I felt I felt that, you know. 
And you grew up in the Philippines, right? I grew up in the Philippines, and then the whole family moved here. So I went to school in the Philippines. And another thing, I was, re- I was raised in a very religious family. My father is, my grandfather is a minister, Seventh-day Adventist minister. Wow. And they're very, very strict. So it was my upbringing is very, very strict regarding a lot of things. Okay. And I know that the Philippines is a conservative country, but my, and tell me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that they're fairly accepting of queer and trans people. The problem about that is I do not know much about the trans community, although I get a lot of messages. I have a lot of friends that come come in here that I know, you know, but my trans, I transitioned here, not in the Philippines. So I really don't know the transgender culture. And I know they're more accepting. I know that they call them, but they call them all gays. You know, even your transgender, they call them gay. Okay, that's not unsimilar to how it was twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, they still have that kind of mentality. Okay, but they're 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 more accepting, I think. And I have talked to a lot of them, and a lot of them also call me mother. They come back and forth. Okay, and I see they call you um, Empress Karina a lot. That is not anything to do with your background. That has to do with the pageants, right? It, no, it's got to do with the imperial court system. If you check, the imperial court system is based on royalty. The emperor and empress, they get elected, by the way, by the community. We get elected by the community. The founder is from San Francisco in 1965, Jose Saria. Oh, of course. She is the founder. She's the first uh, trans or uh, gay that ran for public office in San Francisco, way, way back, the first one. But she did not win. She came up. But she was the first one. Yeah, uh, uh, Jose Sari is a legendary oh, yeah. figure in SF. Oh, yeah. So she is now. You know, she was the organ. She was the one who's the founder of this organization. Wow. So when you were coming out and beginning to transition, is through the pageants? Is that how you found other trans community? So the pageants is how I found the community. That's how I learned about the transgender community. I have friends from the pageants who's really influenced me to get involved and also through those pageants and through that that's how I met the politicians such as Jeffrey Prang who was the one that really I would say founded me and mentored me okay that's, wow. that's another story because he used to work for the sheriff's department well you've done a lot of influential work with the LA sheriff's department and LA police department yeah yeah what had happened is this okay Jeffrey Prang then, who was a mayor of West Hollywood at the time, he approached me with the sheriff department. They started. They created a GLBT council to to uh, advise the sheriff department on issues regarding the, our community. Okay, and so he recruited me as a T transgender. I was just thinking hmm, maybe they're just wanting to fill up that T spot. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually meet with him because at that time they're having sheriffs are having a lot of problems with the transgender community in West Hollywood because they begin to surface. They're out on the streets. The neighborhoods are complaining them out on the streets on their neighborhood, doing a lot of well sex work and so otherwise in the city and on the streets and stuff like that. So one of the things that was asked of me is to do a policy regarding interaction with the community and law enforcement and stuff like that. But when this is happening, uh, when this is happening at that time, because they also, because of the sheriff's department, is in charge, in charge of our uh, jails, 
the fed, uh, the county jails. Okay, so I used to go there to the county jails, visit them, talk about you know what the problems are and stuff like that. That's one of my assignments that I need to do, create those policies and stuff like that. Okay, because here in Los Angeles we have a, a jail system different from the other organization. We set, we have an area we segregate the gay and the transgender from general population for their own protection. I did not know that. Yeah. It used to be called K-11, then it became K-6G. And I worked with them on those policies regarding that, on housing questions and stuff like that, on how they, they also process them on coming in of jail and housing them. So when you say they separate out trans people, are they locking trans people up based on their gender? No, genitalia. Okay, because okay. that's it, like a, what a lot of places yeah, do. If there's, they still have that organ, the male yeah. organ, they're placed on the male, male county jail, of course. At that time, just starting two years ago, then we now have a choice. That's a big and deal. And I've been also to the female jails. I've learned so much dealing with those because I usually go and visit jails. If there is a complaint, I would go and see what's going on, talk to them about what's going on, what I can do to help, and also alleviate the problem and solve what's going on with our community and law enforcement. So with that thing, when I was starting with them, though, there was a bigger, bigger problem with LAPD and the city of Los Angeles bigger problem than that and so are you seeing a change from these oh, policies yeah. and it involves the interaction from jailing them and also wow. also where they are placed in jail also metropolitan jail also has a segregated area also that they house our transgenders again to protect them from general population okay and at the time we have we house them based on their genitalia so it doesn't matter if they have, still have this transgender, they're placed in a county jail. But they're with the gay. There's a gay area. Gay, gay, we call them gay 6G now, where they house them. Wow. The gays and the transgenders. And I asked if these policies were being followed because mm-hmm. violence against trans people in our country and around the world is such a serious issue. And um, so many trans people are dying, trans women specifically. This is a generalization, but I don't see the police taking that seriously. Oh, we enforce that. And I try to, there's complaints, of course. There's a lot of complaints, and that's the reason why I go. When there's a complaint, I go and approach, and I sit down meetings. I have sit down meetings with your the chiefs and all those people are responsible. And I go direct to the top, okay, and I tell them, why is this happening? Why is this happening? What can we solve? You're not following. So I go after them, okay, and tell them that this is this is what should be. And we also give them sensitivity training, Trans 101 sensitivity training on all those, okay. Every officer? Needs to know, okay. Uh, at the time, I had a lot of problems with our vice, Okay, and I felt, and and from the beginning, we had a lot of problems, and I had a lot of problems with them. And also, one of the things that I've experienced in the past is the tenured officers who has been doing it for many, many years and who has gone gone to this training, and you know, that's another thing. The the new ones, the cadets, because they have trainings at the academies, at the cadets, we've gone through that. The cadets are very much open minded. 
but the older officers, the tenured ones are the ones to that needs to really go to those trainings also. And now it is. Wow. You know, it's a requirement now for them to. Wow. It's very interesting to hear somebody who has worked so closely with the police um, and someone in the trans community. We often don't ha- hear from those kind of vantage points from people. So those are the things that I got involved, I am yeah. working with. And so both now the sheriff and LAPD has policies regarding that. And recently also the sheriff's department had done it first. Then I introduced it to the working group on LAPD. Now they have also a policy on transgender officers and and and, uh, and also employees of the department that they have to go to. Wow. To help them. And you mentioned trans people who do sex work. One of the things that you're most known for in L.A. is your nighttime patrols around San Monica Boulevard. It started way, way back, way, way, way back, before the midnight stroll, way, way back. I used to drive. I never walked. <laughs> I used to drive Santa Monica Boulevard, especially the, sher- the sheriff's department, and they see me. I used to drive Santa Monica Boulevard and reach out to the girls. I give them condoms. I talk to them, give them condoms, and also ask them. It was an outreach for me especially with, um, if I'm doing an event, promotion event, the pageants, I recruit them out of the streets. You know, so many girls out on the streets that I have, they said I've changed their lives because of that, that I approached them and got them and got more involved and mentored them. That really helped a lot the community at the time, although I had a lot of problems with, with that's why I said, with the vice because I've been stopped so many times also with my experiences with them. Oh, a lot of stories that I had to go to, and I confronted them. And at that time, most of the time, at that time, I couldn't even report it because I'm afraid because of my work to be found out. Oh, when I, I see. was starting. But it was different when I quit. Okay. Yeah. When I started, you know, I couldn't report anything. That thing's being done to me or I'm experiencing. I couldn't go to the police to report it. Because then you'd be outing yourself. Because be outing myself is going to be on my record. It's going to show when they do a background check on me. And, and similarly, these um, women that you are um, helping on your patrols, uh-huh. like they're often engaging in sex work, which is illegal, I and so they don't even, want to report. That's why I said when I go to those, when I go to my meetings with LAPD and their offices, I don't even call it prostitution. I call it I call it survival sex. To most of them it is because they're thrown out on the streets. They're so young they don't know they don't have any means and these guys approach men and approach them. They really they, the guys really wants to give them and really, you know you know, want to give money for those things and really are the one pursuing these girls. It's just an amazing approach to sex work because mm-hmm. we often don't hear people who are concerned with the well-being of the people engaging in sex work, right? Everything usually criminalizes those people when they, like you said, are often doing this for survival. Well, like what I have said, and this is what I'm saying, and I've said it even in front of law enforcement people, even chiefs and everybody else when I see, talk to them. To me, I said it should be legalized begin with. Everybody uses sex to get what they want from their partners. Husband and wives, 
does you know you know use sex to get what they want from their husbands boyfriend girlfriends use sex to get their what they want from their partners and you know what's wrong with that so, so long as two consenting adults i said <laughs> in privacy what's wrong with that and i've said it in front of them in my meetings with with law enforcement and they just like <laughs> oh, come on come on we're late we're late <laughs> you know what is their response to that oh they just <laughs> They don't even. They don't even want to discuss that with me. This is still against the law. <laughs> yeah. And other states had, you know, legalized it. It's even better. I think it should be controlled. I agree. It can be controlled and taxed. <laughs> so is that why you have the nickname of Mother Karina? It's because a lot of community members come up to me for help when they get in trouble with boyfriend problems. They've come to many problems that I've arranged because of the guys are more afraid of me because they know of my connection with law enforcement and the things that I... When they get in trouble with the law, I go to the court with them and visit them in jail and get what's wrong and what's happened here. Okay, family problems, I go to their houses. And to me, and this is really something really funny sometimes. I went to this house because I was asked I got to the door. The grandmother came out, opened the door, and said, Oh, Mother Karina is here. This is the grandmother a lot older than I think myself, it's kind of, I think, respect and a title that they give me. Even their grandmother is calling me Mother Karina. <laughs> Karina. That's a big honor. Uh, yeah, it's a big honor, and I like that. I feel really good when they say that. And I really, really kind of... Uh, I would like to say uh, promote it, not in promote, but try to uh, let them know that we need our chosen families. We have to have our chosen families so that, and, and brothers and sisters out there that can help us with this journey that we're having. Because like what I said, a lot of them lose their, you know, their, their, their father and mothers. So many times, twice, a girl came up to me, a young one, a millennial, even younger, came up to me and said she was thrown out of the streets because of the father said to her, I'd rather see you dead than see you dressing like this and seeing and acting like this. So they end up on the streets because of the discrimination and also uh, from, from family members. It's really sad to see this happening. And that's the reason they're, they're out there. And even several experiences that I can even begin to tell you. One of my girls, who's a pageant girl, jumped off the freeway of 101. I don't want to mention her name because it's kind of a, a problem. It, it, it raises so much hate. And the, the, the friends called to me and asked, Mother, Mother, you know, this has happened. This has happened. We go to the viewing and another story. Even with the death, they're still being discriminated. And it's really, really sad to see this happening with our community. I don't want to get into more details on that because it's kind of personal. Sure, of course. But it was really sad to see this happening, even at, 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 you know, on the viewing with these family members. You can see the, you know, the hatred and everything else and insisting you know, that he's a boy. You don't know what you're talking about. So it, it, it was a lot of things that, that go through with, my, with our community that we really need, you know, 
to be you know, united, be here for each other, to support each other. I agree. I'm so sorry. Oh, don't be. I, I get so, you know, and this happened so many times. I've been, you know, we, the organization, I go, I go to the bars. We went to the bars, raised funds to help with the funeral costs. And this has happened so many times. This happened so many times. And we give help to the family, sometimes directly to the funeral parlor because of the family and stuff like that. And I go through with the family and everything else. And the sad part of it, even a year after, okay, I, all this in half, a year after, I still get a call from her friends. Mother, mother, they're fighting again. This is a year after, for the one-year anniversary at the cemetery. I shall call the cops. I can't do anything about it. I don't have an authority. I'm not a re- in, rela- in relation to that. It's a family's decision because, again, family members, because of non-acceptance, family members and boyfriends are fighting because of that. And I think we think of these big cities as being safe havens for queer and trans people. And so it's and sobering reason, to know it still happens I here. That's the reason why a lot of our community flock to and come to L.A. because if they feel like it is a safe city for them. Okay, Can you imagine those people from Mississippi and all Nebraska? They're all coming here. And so it's sobering to hear that we still have these issues here even. We still have these issues here. And they, the bad part of it, they're even using religion. I've gone given my report to the police commissioner's meeting, to the city hall, after I give my report, somebody, because of the brown cruel freedom of speech, after I give my report, they come up on the microphone and saying, they quote verses from the Bible and saying, I'm an abomination to the Lord because I'm a transgender. It says here, on, and they quote phrases, I've been escorted by uh, the commissioner's police commissioner's meeting. I was escorted by the chief Grimala and chief, you know, McDonald, and said, Karina, you don't have to listen to this crap. And they escorted me out because of those people. And this is L.A. at the police commissioner's meeting at City Hall. Wow. Twice. Quoting phrases from the Bible. Well, well, let's switch to something more positive. Tell me this. Okay. You are Mother Karina <laughs> yeah. to so many people. Who is your Mother Karina? Who do you t- turn to for questions? Um, my mother. My first mother was the first Empress of L.A., but uh, fortunately she, she, she already um, moved out. My queen mother right now is uh, Commissioner uh, Queen Nicole Sanjago. She's the one I really, really admire and I get, you know, <laughs> that I love. And I call her my mother and, and also really guide me. Yeah, if you could check her out, is uh, 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 Queen Mother uh, Nicole Ramirez, com- Commissioner of uh, the City of San Diego. That's amazing. Yeah, I look up to her. She's really <laughs> my community mother. <laughs> what, what you do, it's hard work. Yeah, it is hard work, but I, I knew that I'm helping. It really, if, I, I feel glad when I see somebody and they really mean it and they say that I've helped them and changed them. And I see also the difference in them and also even their friends and even their their friends and relatives. They say say that to me. He said, "My God, you have changed her. You should, you know, when she was back then." Wow. I currently sit now on ten boards 
all I do <laughs> is go from one meeting to the next. So I'm also working with the Sheriff Department, Advisory Council, with LAPD, King Group, and all the policies and advisory boards. And also the St. John's Clinic was started because of that relationship and because of the work that we do. Oh, the trans clinic at St. John's. The trans clinic at St. John's, yeah. Because Jim Manjo, the CEO, is a really, really good supporter of our community. I knew him through the Imperial Court. When wow. they were just started, they started way back, way back right there. So what happened is when I was doing my outreach, a lot of the girls from out there who didn't have insurance, who get their medications out on the streets, injections and stuff like that, they get in trouble. So I approached him and asked him if he could take those girls because they don't have insurance, they need medical help. I brought them in there and they treated them, gave them free medication and everything else. So my next step was I set him down <laughs> and also influenced him and talked him into opening up a transgender health clinic. And now they have the biggest now health service, transgender health service in, this, in, the, in the country. That's incredible. Yeah, that's how they started. Wow. It, it's their 25th year anniversary this year also, 25th year anniversary. You are a busy lady and you've been busy for a while. <laughs> well, I have done this for many, many years. I know. Over 25 years. <laughs> that's a lot. I'm old. <laughs> no. All right, big thank you to Karina for this. It was announced this week, but I wanted to let you know that The Advocate has officially partnered with Luminary, a brand new podcast app. If you want to learn more about what we're doing there or access some of their special offers, you can do that at the link in our show notes or go to luminary.link slash LGBTQA. If you do that before April 22nd, you'll be entered to win some cool prizes. So make sure you check those out. Again, that link is luminary.link slash LGBTQA. Also, I want to let you know that GLAAD is currently leading the progressive movement right now to fight for an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. This would provide explicit protections for women, for LGBTQ people, for communities of color, and for those with disabilities. If you want to join their growing movement or just learn more, you can go to glad.org constitution. And then lastly, as always, if you'd be so kind as to help us spread the word about the podcast with a tweet or an Insta story, maybe a text to all your friends, we'd be eternally grateful. I'm on social media at JeffMasters1. Feel free to tag me. And we'll be back next week with special guest Joel Kim Booster, one of my favorite comedians. So you don't want to miss it. All right, we'll see you then. Bye.